Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. It's Monday, December 30th. That means it's a mailbag Monday. That's Barton Simmons. That's Tom Fernelli. I'm Chip Patterson. And gentlemen, we've got now Barton on the road this time as he is in San Antonio for this weekend's uh, U.S. Army All-America game. Tom, home in Chicago. And uh, the Florida-Virginia game is fireworks early on. So... Uh, in real time, prayers for anybody who bet the under in this game. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, we've we've got a whole bag of mail. Tom, how are you doing? It's, it's pretty awesome when you hit one of your props forty seconds into the game. A prop? What prop did you have? I had Lamical P Ryan to score a touchdown at plus one hundred, and bam, like second or third play of the game, touchdown Lamical P Ryan. Did you just call him Lamical? Lamichael, sorry. I like Lamical a lot better. I do too. That's, That's why a, I've kind of always read it that way in my head, even though I know it's Lamichael. Lamichael. It's <laughs> a great, it's a great name. Um, we've got for I guess the the locks that were decided earlier today. We did you by any chance, Barton, catch Western Kentucky and Western Michigan? Uh, no, and Ben. By the way, just the locks have just been disgusting, and they're did, did you, they're just second the Michael Piron. The I, I've just. So we've done this is our third year of locks, and last year I crushed bowl season, sixty eight percent. You would think that I'm 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 a bowl season guru, but if you did your research, you would know that the year before that I was horrible bowl season and barely hit anything. So this year I'm, I've cycled back to horrible, and uh, I'm not I'm not seeing the ball very well in bowl season right now. I'm six and three. Just uh, well, good just, for you. Just just cashing lock fight <laughs> wins against Tom and Barton, Air Force, the over in Louisville, Mississippi State, Louisville plus four, getting it done on the field. Uh, sadly, the Illini couldn't get it done. Tom, I'm sorry. Chip, do you know that when you're in a lock fight against either me, Barton, or the dentist this year, you're seven and four? I gotta, I gotta pick more fights. <laughs> yeah, yeah, apparently. Seriously, be a little more combative. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I think it's safe to say that the line I lost falls on Barton, who had the lock agreement with me. And had yep. Barton not done that, you know, because we're now two and seven in our so lock. You, so you picked that first on the pod, and yeah. I, I came in second to agree. Yeah, yeah. and my, you just my bad shoved a knife right into their hearts. And yeah. I, I did not scream as I saw the two of you step on the banana peel. <laughs> I was like, I was sitting there because we'd had we didn't have a single lock unity during that uh during that episode and so i'm sitting there like what am i no gotta let it hit the uh hit the floor all right oh, so now it's your fault way to go chip yeah it's definitely my fault all right let's uh this we're gonna start with uh some a combative question because it goes right back to a barton comment and the question as it was written and remember if you want to add your question to a future mailbag the best way to do it is to go to uh the cover three podcast page leave a five-star review you can tell us about the show or you can just jump right into your question. Some people are really nice. Some people just offer up uh, nice things to say, or maybe you have suggestions about the show, but just throw it in there with the five stars and, uh, and you'll be on a mailbag Monday episode. 
And it was directed at Barton because of Barton's claim for LSU being the, uh, was it best team of the decade? Or greatest no, no, team no, of all time? No, no, greatest team of all time, and that was contingent on them winning, right. by the way. So, so the question yeah. is, if LSU becomes the greatest team of all time by beating Clemson, would Clemson be the best team of all time by going 30-0 and and defeating a decorated LSU team? Okay. Um, first of all, I, I I sense your tone. Right. Uh, I, I, I hear you. Just, um, but, but I will accept this question, honestly, and – and let's make one clarification first. This Clemson team has not gone thirty and zero. Right. So I always like that's they don't get credit. This Clemson team, if we're measuring greatest teams of all time, doesn't get credit for what the twenty eighteen Clemson team did. So just make make that uh, point of clarification to start. But uh, otherwise, sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know about great the the. Greatest of all time, and part of my argument for LSU was was about sort of the circumstances and all of the all of the awards, the teams they were able to play on the schedule, the the nature of some of their wins, and in, in part the way it beat Oklahoma. Clemson has not been afforded the same opportunity based on circumstances to state their case for greatest team of all time. Look, if Clemson was playing. Uh, LSU schedule this year and then Clemson would have a better opportunity to sort of cement itself in that sort of tier because they just have had that they have more big games um, it's the same reason that Travis Etienne didn't win the uh, was it Doak Walker yeah, the, the for running, running back, back. You know, same reason Trevor Lawrence isn't the Heisman finalist same re- like it's just they're blowing teams out it's the same reason we never talk about Clemson this year because there, those guys are sitting in the second half, and so, uh, you know, if if we felt like they were, they were doing that against a really good ACC, then yeah, they would have uh, a, a case for greatest team of all time. So I say all that, and then yeah, if they go and they beat LSU, and they and especially if they beat LSU handily, which I, I don't expect, but even if it's a you know a thriller, you know, an all time game, which seems more likely to me, then. They get to be absolutely in that conversation. I'll I'll, I'll accept that because they've been dominating teams. Um, and when you compare Clemson's resume with the national title and with beating a team like LSU against some of the other teams that are going to have that case other than the 1888 Yale Bulldogs, then <laughs> yeah, like I, I think you could you could make that case. But but I but again, it's not. The reason I talked about LSU in that light is because of all these circumstances surrounding this specific team and 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 how this game presents an opportunity for them that I, I don't think that Clemson has on the surface. I will say this. If Clemson beats LSU in this game, I don't think they're in the running for greatest team of all time for the very reason you said, because 30-0 over two years is, you know, the team in a single year, I don't think you could say that this Clemson team was any better than last year's Clemson team, considering who Clemson beat in last year's playoff and how badly it beat both of those teams in those games. But if Clemson beats LSU and wins a national title, and you look at the last five years, that would mean Clemson is 70 and four over the last five years. I think they then clearly enter the conversation of greatest college football dynasty of all time. Right. Which I think I would rather have than just greatest team, honestly. (laughs) I think last year's team was better. 
Yeah. Like that's, I mean, like that, that is my starting point. I just think if, if we're going with the, I don't even think this year's Clemson team is the greatest Clemson team of all time. Like if we're just doing like, you know, conversations about trying to, trying to pick the goat team from this run, the 2015, 2016 team had Deshaun and you had Mike Williams, who was awesome. Um, you know, Deion Kane was on those teams. Wayne Gallman was your running back there. But I, I, I think that I would rather have senior year, uh, Christian Wilkins, junior year Dexter Lawrence, junior year Cleveland Farrell, senior year Austin Bryant on that defensive line, and then so many of the other pieces that are still around for this year's team. So, uh, yeah, I I get your point, and I would think I would rather 100% by a matter of if I was a fan, because aren't we assuming this guy's a Clemson fan? I would make, I would assume that. Okay. As a fan, I would rather have the dynasty. I'll say this though, like the if even all that said about Clemson's regular season schedule and just how it doesn't really afford them some of the same spotlight opportunities that afforded LSU. If this Clemson team beats Ohio State and LSU in the playoffs, good God, there, there will never have been, nor maybe will there ever be. I don't know a a, a one-two playoff back-to-back uh, win like those two, um, and and that would be. That would be pretty, pretty good resume bullet point. No doubt. Next question. Bobby A from NJ asks, what is next year's had a great bowl win and now we overrate them for next year? It's a great question. Yeah. I like, I, I like that question, but is it, is it, I mean, it's a little, a we can't really do this yet. So I guess we can always make an addendum after the fact and, and, make a footnote and change it. But I think to this point, it's clearly North Carolina, right? Ooh. See, I was leaning more towards... Texas A&M? No, 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 no. I'm <laughs> not falling into that trap. No, I'm, I was leaning more towards the win we saw earlier today with Louisville, where I think the way Louisville played against Mississippi State and just how they you know, looked at times under Satterfield, I think that they which kind of falls in line with what you're saying with North Carolina in an ACC conference that is so desperate for a second team. I think Louisville is going to be a very popular dark horse pick, but I think you're right. I think North Carolina could definitely slide into that conversation too. 55 is a big number to put on the scoreboard during the bowl season. That's going to draw some attention, no doubt. But I think I think the fact that North Carolina played Temple kind of lessens that. Whereas, even though I don't think Mississippi State was very good this year, the fact that Louisville did that against an SEC team is going to you know give them more quote unquote you know street cred when it comes to trying to figure that out next year. Does Notre Dame fall into that conversation, especially if uh, Tommy Reese gets the promotion? Now we get the announcement this week that Ian Book's coming back. Are you going to talk yourself into? Uh, or is is the general public going to talk itself into putting Notre Dame maybe up in that top eight type spot? Well, but how, yeah, well, yeah. Like, so how do you? What is an overreaction to an eleven and two Notre Dame that's one year removed from the college football playoffs, uh, or I guess two years removed at the start of next season? Like, unless people are picking Notre Dame to win a national title next year and all over the place, and that's a trendy national title pick. Then I don't know that that's like if they underachieve next year, it'll just be underachieving based on reasonable expectations. I think. I mean, they return a bunch. Like Notre Dame should be good next year. And I just no, go ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was just gonna say I was just looking at Notre Dame's 2020 schedule to see 
you know what's in what's in way and do you know who they're hosting on november 7th in south bend clemson yep yeah junior year trevor lawrence Oh, that's going to be it. Because, I mean, you look at the start of Notre Dame's schedule. They start with Navy, and they get Arkansas, Western Michigan, Wake, Wisconsin at Lambeau. I forgot about that game. Stanford at Pitt, Duke. There's a pretty decent chance that, what, both of those teams are undefeated heading into that game? I'm going to yeah. already start. I'm going to start the uh, the Notre Dame hype already. I'm going to overreact right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, Notre they did Dame. beat your beloved Iowa State. That's right. Heck yeah! If you beat Iowa State, then you're going to win a national title. They're they're really good. I mean, they they got a lot of dudes coming back, and um, I mean, I think they'll need. I mean, what they've been seeking and searching for is some more juice on the perimeter. Uh, you know, I guess that's an area where they need to um, get some help quickly. And a couple of those guys are down here in San Antonio with me, Jordan Johnson and uh, Michael Mayer. Um, but like defensively. They bring back a lot. Aloe Gilman's gone, but Kyle Hamilton steps in nicely. Uh, they're they're line. I mean, I just I, I do think they're going to be good. Uh, so yeah, maybe maybe yeah. Let's start the hype. All right. Yeah. Well, let's start the hype for Notre Dame, but let's leave that question in, and then we'll review it. I yeah, like the. We'll, we'll I really like the question though. It's a yeah, good. It's, it's it's always important to identify. Not only not only is it a fun question to deliberate, but it's it's an important question for us as gambling degenerates to make sure that we identify so that we you know we find that value when the when the wind totals come out no oof now you're speaking my language all right <clears throat> we got another switch here what records and i've got if uh i've got both these schedules pulled up uh so i'll read it out in case you don't have enough tabs uh sugar bowl coaches switch how does Matt Rules Georgia and Kirby Smart's Baylor finish the season? So which one do you want to do first? Uh Well, first of all, let's I, I I would like to make another clarification here. Are we just purely sticking Matt Rule into the head coaching off head office the day before the first game and vice versa or are we transporting entire staffs and and giving them an off season to work with these guys. How 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 are we defining this? You're coming in at the start. Of, I'm, this is not the question. This is where I'll come in and try and provide some clarification, uh, just for the purposes of the debate. I'm going to say that the recruiting has been done. The cycle is complete. Maybe you you can decide whether or not they get spring and fall, but they get the run up to the regular season. All right, let's give them spring. Okay. They got the players, the roster that the other coach had, and they then they're bringing their coaching staff with them, right? Our listeners are very our list. The common thread here is that our listeners have a lot of thoughts about Kirby Smart in Georgia, as a Georgia fan or other SEC fans might, given how close that team has been to championships over the last three seasons, and yet uh, they they often find themselves looking up at their at their rivals. So, uh, yeah, let's do spring and fall camp but the rosters are set from when the switch is made. Which one do you want to do first? Baylor? Uh, with Kirby and the boys? All right, go for it. Stephen F. Austin. Win. UTSA. Win. Rice. Win. Iowa State. It was a 23-21 win. At home, though, right? At home. Win. At Kansas State. Win. 
in overtime against Texas Tech at home. Win. <laughs> at Oklahoma State. Possible loss, but I would go win. West Virginia at home on Halloween. Oh, win. <laughs> at TCU. Win. Against Oklahoma at home. Loss. Against Texas at home. Win. At Kansas. Come on. All right. Uh, Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game. Loss. So the ex- exactly the same. So, yeah. So, it is, yeah. so okay. you, I mean, without picking game by game, though, I mean, are you just, are, do you think there's a value add to, to, to Matt, to uh, Kirby Smart or a value subtraction? I, I mean, I don't know what games Baylor lost this year that you could say they would have won with Kirby Smart in there. And I don't know what games they won this year where you could really say that, oh, well, if they go from Matt Rule to Kirby Smart, there's no way they win those games. I think that Baylor just had a good year and played to its potential. All right, well, then flip it. All right, Georgia with Matt. Uh, I just want to know, yeah, yeah, Georgia with, with Rule, but without going game by game, is so Georgia lost to South Carolina. They lost to LSU. They beat Auburn, Florida, Notre Dame. I don't uh, think they lose. To I don't South think Carolina, they lose to South Carolina. I still think they get their ass kicked by LSU. Yes, I agree. So you think value add of one game? Yes. Rule? Yeah, yes. because I think that Matt Rule, his offense is a little more aggressive, and I think that as we've talked about so often, that what holds Georgia back is. It's conservative nature on offense. Yeah. The final stages of the South Carolina-Georgia game did not look like a coaching value add for either sideline. I don't know if you remember the way that fourth quarter went, but it was not clean. Of the Georgia-South Carolina game, you said? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I think... um, Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I, I think with Matt Rule... Ultimately, I do think he's a really good in-game coach. I think he's a really good X's nose coach. I think he's he's going to have really good game plans, and so I trust him on that front too. But I also think that he's going to build. I think he's good at player development, and so that you know you're not even really getting the full bulk of his strengths when you're just sort of plopping him in the head coach chair for a season. Not that Kirby Smart isn't, but I think Kirby Smart is. I like got if I'm if I'm listing out their strengths I, I list Kirby Smart as more of a great recruiter I mean he can out he'll be out be able to out recruit Matt Rule but I I think I take Matt Rule when it comes to development not that I don't think Kirby Smart can develop but just I think Matt Rule is maybe as good as there is in college football right now at that well, here here's one way to put it though now, let's forget results like I think Kirby's a better recruiter than Matt Rule too but could Kirby recruit better to Baylor than Matt Rule would recruit to Georgia uh, well, he could recruit. Matt Rule could recruit better to Georgia than Kirby could recruit to Baylor. Yeah, I would think. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think that Matt Rule could recruit to Georgia as well as Kirby could recruit to Georgia. And I don't no. think Matt Rule could recruit to Baylor as well as Kirby could recruit to Baylor. Oh, no. you don't think Matt Rule can? Re- okay, that's fair. And but but it's but again, this is very different. Like because I think I don't even think that Matt Rule cares. Like, I don't. I, seriously, like I don't think that that's Matt Rule's thing. I don't think he's worried about 
getting a bunch you, of five stars. You tweeted about is, uh, recruiting rankings. You, you tweeted recently, like, coaches know recruiting rankings. Yeah. Brian Kelly. It was in the Brian Kelly conversation, right? Yeah. 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 But Brian Kelly said that he is he sees the ceiling of his f- top 15 Notre Dame recruiting as more of a top five ceiling these days. But I, I think that my point is, is that Kirby wants, like, he desires freaks. Um, they don't even, like, it's not as important. Roster building is not as important to Kirby as as talent accumulation. And then that's that's sort of the, the antithesis of what Matt Rule is. Matt Rule is all about roster building and 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 finding value. Okay, geez. Yeah, and but it, like even like even he's more about getting NFL measurables, finding testing like testing numbers, analytically analytical approach. Like he's even different than Chris Peterson in that sense. It's not about or and Dabo Sweeney to a degree. Like they're they're more about OKGs. Matt Rule is about we're going to find the guys you don't necessarily want and we're going to develop them and it's going to take time. We're going to register them. We're going to build them up in the program, but they're not going to be ready-made coming out of high school. Uh, whereas Kirby wants the guys that are dudes right now, 330 pounds, come in here and and be our, our next monster offensive lineman. There is something to be said for the, the players that are going to leave Matt Rule's Baylor program as NFL draft picks who are not expected to be in the NFL, right? Is that basically the the like the ultimate Matt Rule experience is that they they really trust their development as the primary yeah. source of success for their program? Yeah, but I think the key the key point is is it's not as if Matt Rule is just out there trying to find the sleepers. They recruit players to that program that they think are future pros. They, they they recruit like they don't shy away from saying we want NFL players, but they're just getting them that in a in a different stage of their development than Georgia will. And Come. by the way, of 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 relevance, uh, for going to be topical here, Matt Rule getting a little buzz for the New York Giants job. Well, seeing that foot around. Yeah, I was gonna. He's also reportedly going to interview with the Panthers. He talked to his team at Sugar Bowl practice. And was like, if the if an NFL team wants to talk to me, then I'm going to listen, and I'll keep you guys up to date at every step along the way. That's pretty. Uh, I, I like that. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Pretty, pretty, pretty commendable. I uh, I I had to write about it this morning for CBSSports.com, and I I said that where most coaches would have ducked the topic, it seems as though because the story came from players. Players were like, oh, yeah, you know, we got these alerts on our phones about Coach Rule, you know, potentially interviewing with the Panthers. And so a couple hours later at practice, Matt Rule, before the practice started, sat down and addressed it head on. And then the reporters got to talk to the players and hear their take on it. And the five defensive players that were made available as part of the Sugar Bowl media availability were all like, no, it's cool. We respect him. We, he said he'll let us know. So going for transparency, man, it's different. Matt Rule's a different yeah. cat. We've known that. Yeah, and he's also said that if he is going to leave for the NFL, it's got to be like a perfect job. And so the question is, are Carolina and the Giants right now a perfect situation that would kind of pull him away? Carolina, I'm going to go no. Giants, I think maybe if he, if he was able to handpick his GM, maybe. But right now, uh, this isn't an NFL podcast, but isn't right now Gettleman stays? 
I don't know. I haven't paid that well, close of attention. I think I, th- I thought I saw the reports that Gettleman is is staying at least for another. I mean, I don't know if it was. I don't know if it was phrased like this, but well, it sounded like at least for another year. Then that tells me that rule. I don't know if you want to go into a situation where your GM might get another year. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then you've got yeah. to deal with a brand new guy. But hey, at least at least maybe then you get some input in who the new guy is. Well, and mm-hmm. also there's some value just to. Uh, as you are Matt Rule, the coach on the rise who hasn't gotten an opportunity to go into an interview to go and talk to him and hear what they got to say just so that for your own career trajectory, you can have a better idea of what that world is. Well, he's coached in the NFL before, though. As an assistant? Yeah, yeah it's funny, though. He just had like a, t- a little taste. He coached they went like to the Giants years. for like a year or two. Yeah, yeah, and everyone acts like he's this big NFL guy, but he really hasn't. Yeah, he's not, <laughs> he doesn't have like a lot of NFL experience. I think that you, the NFL is looking at Matt Rule because Matt Rule has figured out um, or is or that Matt Rule has tapped into something that is connecting, right? I mean, you're just a football coach, just coaching right. ball. Like he's Well, doing- again, I, I talked about it last podcast, and I guess we should move on at some point because this is in the – but one of the things that make him a good coach, I think, is when you look at his background, he's coached on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. And I think when you look at NFL and and what you need to be – to be a successful coach there. Like you can't, you, you really have to have a full understanding of what everyone's doing. And, uh, I mean, it's the Belichick model. I mean, Belichick isn't, he, he coaches everybody. He knows what everyone's on the field can do. And, and I think Matt rule has a little element of that to his, to his game. Matt rule is the next bill. Belichick Barton Simmons, December, 2019. Right. Right. The graphic for when we tweet this episode out, <laughs> yeah. dude. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> Coming up on the other side, more of your questions and our answers next. There's nothing on earth quite like this. Oh, what a goal! The UEFA Champions League is back at its new home on CBS All Access. Sensational! Stream every match of the world's most prestigious tournament live. That's incredible! The UEFA Champions League group stage kicks off Tuesday on CBS All Access. There's nothing like it. Welcome to the Nothing Personal with David Sampson podcast. Do me a favor and blink, please. Did you blink? That's how fast the Major League Baseball season went in 2020. The postseason is already upon us. Whether it's baseball news, you on NFL, college football, water polo, chess, movies, if there's a story, we'll have it covered every weekday, five days a week. Just subscribe and download on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, or wherever else you find your podcasts. No BS, no soft tosses, no hot takes. You know, it's always business. It's nothing personal. All right. This question. Why do we need a national signing day? Why not simply let each athlete sign the national, the, what is it? The NLI national letter of intent. Yes. Uh, on starting September 1st of their senior year. Uh, if this change was put in place, how would it change football recruiting? So I, I, it's a great idea, um, but I'm going to take you a step further. Forget their September 1st, their, their, their senior year. Just say you, you can send them an NLI, NLI anytime you want. Say you can send, send an NLI as an eighth grader. And if they sign as an eighth grader, 
though you are you are and and, and it needs to be uh, binding to the university, but the university is bound to him. Um, and I think there needs to be some sort of out clause in case you know head coaching change or something like that. But uh, but the university is bound to him. And then you know what's going to happen? People are going to stop offering eighth graders. People are going to start you know the, the the process will slow down. The process will self regulate, and the market will correct. And so you're not going to see this rush to you're not going to see as many commitments decommitments. You're not going to see as many. Uh, early offers, you're going to see offers count because if an offer is an LOI, an LI, if an offer is an NLI, then it totally changes the way you know the the, the commerce of offers. Um, and I, I love it. I mean, I would love it if if offers were just NLIs. You could send a kid an NLI anytime you're ready to offer them at any point, and then. It wouldn't. I don't know if it'd be great for the biz, my business or our business because obviously there's no signing day anymore. But I think it would be good for the kind of regulation of recruiting. But yeah, I think what you said at the end there is why it won't happen. <laughs> because not even not even just you know what like twenty four seven does and like the online recruiting kind of thing, but also because signing day now is a television event. So ESPN's not going to want to get rid of it. We're not going to want to get rid of it. They're going to want to keep it for what it is, just for that. So, yeah, I think there's a. I think I think that that what you just talked about would be a much better way to do it for the kids. It would be a much better way to do it for the coaches. It's just it's that's never really been <laughs> the consideration upon anybody. So if it's binding, then five star guys would be having like five NLIs to sign. And these coaches would be sweating it out because of their numbers, and there would have to be some some late NLI offers, and some of that same last minute switching would happen. But it would be a huge boost to the commitment video directors and producers around the country, <laughs> who yes. would get to drop on their Twitter accounts actual news breaking, not just on one day, but they could space it out across a month. Yes, we'd have like an, a category at the Oscars for re- recruitment announcement videos, <laughs> right? Because somebody like has to sit with a tweet deck column open of all the recruits just waiting for videos to drop. <laughs> I will be signing my NLI on UStream this Friday, two p.m. <laughs> could I, I could really see how it would benefit? Uh, and it would it would it would create it would, it would actually would create a. Uh, like an opportunity for programs to, because once once a kid signs, obviously they can talk about them. So you could have all kinds of individualized celebrations from the from the school when these guys sign. If they did it that way, which when, would be the next the next way of uh, ego stroking. Can you imagine the anarchy if coaches were allowed to mention players' names? Right. <laughs> yeah. When uh, when Harrison Barnes was deciding between North Carolina and Duke as a high school prospect, he told both coaches to get on Skype, and he would Skype the one that he chose. He Skyped Roy Williams, and when Roy Williams picked up, like the whole team was behind him, and that video went viral. There, uh, there are so many different versions of the story of what the scene looked like in Mike Krzyzewski's office. <laughs> when he, yeah. I don't like that. You don't like that? No. 
I mean, I, I like you like it if you're a North Carolina fan, but I just think that if I was, I don't know, I just think that's kind of yeah. You both wait for me, and if I don't call you, oh well. Harrison Harrison Barnes was always very in tune with the uh, the brand management thing. It was uh, I th- I think he's smart. I get it. Well, he automatically gets the fans of North Carolina in love with him because he made Duke look stupid. Right. Yeah. No, I get it. I just don't like it. Yeah. Tom doesn't like you, Harrison Barnes. I don't. <laughs> so very bad, Harrison. I think now. I think if you asked Harrison now, he would say he agrees. He's older. He's wiser. He's more mature. Like LeBron looking back on the decision. Yeah. Yep. Now, now he's just a boring old man like the rest of us, huh? Yep. <laughs> Darn tootin'. Uh, what's your favorite rivalry nickname? Okay. A lot of different rivalries. And what's the scariest nickname for home stadiums in college football? Or what's the scariest home stadium in college football? What's uh, is, is, uh, is, is New Mexico state the pit? It's one of those, doesn't one of those New Mexicos have a, have a, the pit. The pit was the basketball arena. I thought. Yeah, I think it's oh, in Albuquerque, like Utah, right? Uh, the the pit I thought was the basketball arena in Albuquerque. The pit, yeah, oh. the pit is University of New Mexico basketball arena. Mm-hmm. I've always yeah, liked the pit. I we in high school we played a place uh, Lincoln County High School had the it was the pit it was like a little bold in stadium and it had this great reputation as a as a big time atmosphere and it was called the pit. And I, I think that's a pretty good spot. But I, I don't I'm going to go know. with the Muss, Salt Lake City. Yeah. Utah the students pit. are pretty awesome. The pit's got me thinking about late nights on a Thursday and Friday in March now because God knows the only time I was ever watching a basketball game at the pit was when <laughs> was an NCAA tournament game. Um, <laughs> I don't know. As far as best rivalry names, uh, I mean, I, I, it's not the name of good the Good old-fashioned hate? Who has good old, who, who's good old-fashioned hate? Is that Georgia, Georgia Tech? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's on there. That's a pretty good one, even though the rivalry isn't very good. I think I, I love – it's not really the name of the rivalry, but I love the world's largest outdoor, outdoor cocktail party. Mm. Uh, and, you're, and you're sad that it's not around anymore, that you can't call yeah. it that? Oh, I can call it that. I just did. And the uh, cops ain't here. Cops ain't here. So, so you are you standing by Red River Shootout too? Oh hell yeah! Yeah, I feel like I feel like we need to try to keep that alive. And I made I made the joke the other night during Oklahoma State Texas A and M that if Texas Oklahoma is the Red River Shootout, then Oklahoma State and A and M should be like the Red River Knife Fight or something. Ha <laughs> uh-huh. Um, let's see. What about? Does the Territorial Cup not do it for you? No. Two Arizona schools fighting over territory? I mean, that's the thing. Sounds like a sailing event or something. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, the Iron Bowl's a cool name. Apple Cup's a cool name. Yeah. Um, Uh, Battle for the Keg of Nails. See, that's an awesome trophy. Okay. But But that's the name of the rivalry, too. What's yeah. the what's the Wisconsin? Uh, is that the Wisconsin? What's Wisconsin? Uh, Minnesota. Paul Bunyan's Bunyan axe. Paul Bunyan's axe. That's a great that's one. Pre- that's pretty legit. You're playing for Paul Bunyan's axe, and then like, you get to run, go take the axe from the other sideline, as opposed to just taking like a statue. Like, right. You go, you go take like a, a a mythical axe 
I'll take that one. Uh, what about home field advantages? Tiger Stadium in Baton Rouge? What are we asking? What's the like what's a scariest the... home stadium? We know what the least scariest is, Chip. North Carolina Keenan Stadium? <laughs> yeah. That comforting baby blue. It's in nurseries across America and a football stadium in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Well, Ooh, those Argyle, those angry Argyle patterns. Uh, they got a pretty, a pretty unfrightening one in Nashville. Oh, Dudley Vanderbilt. Field. Just, just like open, open the gates. Come, come, SEC fans, uh, opponent SEC fans, come into our home and just, just fill it up. So just yeah. pay, it's, it's, always just, it's just SEC home games for every opponent. And not, you could say uh, the same about both of Illinois' Big Ten schools. They're awfully friendly to opposing fans. Uh, I was having a conversation with a uh, somebody who works for the Peach Bowl who's from LSU and was discussing the, uh, the event of LSU fans drinking Nashville bars dry of vodka by like 11 a.m. <laughs> That's remarkable. That happened? Yeah. That's... It's good effort. <laughs> Just <laughs> Wisconsin fans do that to people too. Yeah, they do. Uh, best home field advantage. I, I mean, I, I just think LSU at night in Baton Rouge is still. I've never been. I've never been. That's a bucket list item for me. But I think that's got to be the that, that's that's got to be the one. All right. Uh, I've I don't I think that I know our answer, and so I'm I'm only going to bring it up as a matter of current events and. Uh, well, maybe I don't know our answer. The question is, what are your opinions on the new Star Wars and can we get a Star Wars pod after the bowl season? Nope. And nope. <laughs> that's what I thought. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a nope for me too. Are you guys not Star Wars guys? I am not a Star Wars guy. I make fun of the Star... I, I don't get it. And I think that for me, it's a thing that like... I did not see Star Wars until I was already 21 years old. Like I hadn't, I didn't grow up watching it. I didn't see it. I my so roommate the, had the childlike wonder wasn't ingrained in you. Yeah. So like my my roommate had all the like the original trilogy on VHS, and he went home for like you know summer break, and I stayed because I was working, and I was like, okay, well, I you know maybe I imbibed in a couple substances and said I'm going to watch these movies. And to me, it was just, it was like, there's nothing special about it. It was the same, it's like the same movie I'd seen a million times. And to me, it's always struck me as a B movie with a blockbuster budget. And I, oh, go ahead. No, I, I just don't get the fascination with it at all. Because there's nothing about those movies that seems special to me. Yeah, so I've not seen any Star Wars since like the first three or whatever. I mean, I think I maybe only saw two of the first three. I'm not a big sci-fi guy. I'm more of a, and I'm not a big superhero person either. Cause I like, I, I'm not big on stuff that I can't really like see happening. So if we're like, if I'm watching a bunch of little like aliens walking around and like making alien noises and then <laughs> I, I'm, that's hard for me to get on board with it. Not, I, I respect all you star Wars folk, but I can't get, I can't, I can't really get dialed into it. I'm just more of a, I need to, I need stuff that I can believe. And, and I mean, for me, like I, I saw the originals and then like shortly after that is when the prequels came out and my friends liked it and the prequels came out. So I was like, all right. So I went, you know, and I saw them with him and God, those movies were horrible. Uh, and then the latest three, I saw the first one and that was okay. 
Then the second one, I got about 45 minutes in until like Carrie Fisher was floating in space like dead. And I was like, all right, I'm done. I'm checking out, <laughs> moving on. And I have not seen the third one yet. And I just, I've, I have always felt like Star Wars is just like Frozen or the, what are those little yellow guys called? The Minions? Minions. Yeah, it's like Frozen and Minions for like adults. Because it's really just a marketing thing. I mean, if, you, if you're if you on Twitter now with like that one show on Disney+, Plus, that Mandalorian, I don't know anything about the show, but I've seen a thousand screenshots of Baby Yoda. You know what I mean? It's just meme content. It's just a content mill at this point where they're just creating something for people to put on social media. And that's how I see it. And I see everybody just kind of falling into the trap and saying that it's good. And I doubt it is. I bet you it's just pretty average. I was a Star Wars kid. I had the action figures. I loved the movies. I read the books that were like outside of canon. I played the video games. Whoa, Chip. I have seen, I think I've, I haven't, I've not seen the Mandalorian. I don't have Disney plus. So I, why'd you get a big nope up front? Sounds like you're all in on this stuff. No, I was, I'm all about cover three podcast in 2019 and 2020. So, uh, uh have I seen the third one of uh, the, the new one? No. And are we going to get one? No, I don't. Here's the difference. When it became uh, a T-shirt cannon, I jumped off board. There, yeah, that's that's a great way to put yeah, it. Yeah, when when Star Wars started throwing us Rogue One and the Mandalorian and this other stuff, <laughs> like, like when, yeah, when Star Wars became a T-shirt cannon, I was like, all right, I'm out. That's I like, I'm still gonna see it at some point, but I'm just not gonna rush to it. And I would say that I even that probably happened for me because it happened to me during the the final sort of segment of the prequels like i was really hyped about the phantom menace and then i think by the second one because the the phantom menace also brought about uh video games like star new star wars video games but i think that by number two or number three of those prequels it was a little bit more like all right at this point the only value it has is just like uh, soap opera entertainment, you know, mm-hmm. where I just I I get I've got a basic idea of the landscape and what's going on here in these different worlds or lands, but I'm I'm not all that invested on like actually knowing the backstories the way that some fans are. That was yeah. that was the difference between like me in fourth grade and and wh- sort of where I've landed after the t-shirt cannon was created. And I think there's just like you're there's just too much of it now. It's like there's a new Star Wars trailer every six months that everybody's got to freak out about. It's like, how good can it be if they're if they're churning them out this quickly? Yeah. And that's kind of how I feel about like the comic book movies, too. And I've seen like I I like sci fi. I've, I've watched plenty of science fiction. I'm not really into the comic book stuff either. I've watched a few of those like Marvel movies and that I've enjoyed them. It's just they kind of all run into like they all bleed into one another and it's kind of like you're watching the same movie over and over again it's like man i don't know how anybody can watch this same story 55 different times well watch the two star reviews flood in because you, people that are going to give us two star reviews for hating star wars because they're star wars fans or they could give us two stars reviews because they hate star wars and we talk star wars for 20 minutes <laughs> <laughs> listen if you like them and you love them keep watching them i don't judge you for it i'll make fun of our uh, colleague sean wagner magoo for liking them because i just like making fun of sean <laughs> but if you like it just keep you know keep doing it that's fine i just it's not for me man yeah I it is uh that I only have but so much um 
space. I only have so many gigabytes available on the hard drive yeah. right now. Like, if you want to go Game of Thrones, I could talk to you for the next three hours. I see. I, yeah. That was another one where it's just, at some point, it became too much. Hit critical mass. Started drowning in the deep end. Had to get my floaties on and get out. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's go to the Big Ten. Penn State's biggest hurdle is obviously Ohio State. Penn State was not competitive this year, but each of the three previous games have been decided by a total of five points. Will PSU ever be able to catch the machine that is OSU football? Is expecting PSU to win 50% of the games against OSU in the future unreasonable? Yes. Wow. In its current state, it is expecting PSU to be able to win every few years is not unreasonable. 50% of them, I think is in the same way that look there's a we've talked about the Ohio State Michigan gap the, the the Ohio State Penn State gap is no different Penn State's recruiting at a really high level but they're not recruiting at Ohio State's level and Ohio State currently is a program that is getting the most out of its players and when you're getting the most out of the best players in the country you're going to be really hard to beat and so I mean Penn State is 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 climbing the mountain but we're not there yet where I'm going to have 50 fit, like where every game's a toss up expectations. I just think we're at the point where Penn state's very competitive with Ohio, with Ohio state and, and they can, they can sneak up and beat them every, every, you know, maybe, maybe every four years or something. Yeah. I think 50% is a based on where everything is now. 50% is probably a little optimistic. I would, I would say maybe get them 33% of the time. You should feel good about yourself. So should they feel bad for where they're at? I mean, this is a weird thing to think about because I don't think you should feel bad about it. But at the same time, you know, Penn State fans obviously want to be competing for Big Ten titles. They want the playoff berths. They want the college football playoff berths. And it's just this isn't a program that like, yeah, I know they've have a, a long. Well, it didn't end well, but they had their proud history with Joe Paterno. But at the same time. This is still a program that, you know, has really only won two national titles in its history. It had some unclaimed titles like the 1981 and then 1994, but the the rest of that was like, you know, from the 1910s. And it hasn't actually won a national title like a, a recognized one since 1986. So Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think it has a recognized title as a Big Ten member. No, it definitely does not. And it's... Yeah. So it's like, you know, if you're going 10 and 2 and 11 and 1 and just being like that. I, I feel like that's kind of better than I think a lot of people the narrative is behind what Penn State has been as a program or what a lot of people think it was. So I think you're still in a pretty good spot. And I just but you're not Ohio State, nor do you even have Ohio State's history. So none of that suggests that you can really be them. That's not to say it's impossible. It's just there's not a lot of evidence that shows it'll happen. And now Penn State fans are going to be mad at me. So, all right, what about Penn State or Michigan? Who is closer to Ohio State? Penn State. I think Penn State, too, yeah. Yeah. You could see, like, yeah, you can see, I don't know, you can see it in there somewhere. Like, Michigan, we're still, we don't really. You could see it with, like, Gross Mottos and Micah Parsons. And yeah, Michigan's the, had those guys too. Like Michigan's had, had Rashawn Gary, Gary David Bush, Bush and all yeah. those guys last year, and and Chase. But I think you just see. I don't know. I mean, a Ohio State's been more competitive with with uh, Penn State's been more competitive with Ohio State than Michigan has, and 
Well, Penn State I, I, also does have a win against Ohio State that Jim Harbaugh does not. Mm-hmm. And it has the division title and the conference title that Michigan hasn't had. So, yeah, that I, I think it's just, you know, you mentioned like the players it does have. The problem is Ohio State has 10 of those guys. <laughs> Whereas we're thinking Penn State's two or three or four or Michigan's th- two or three or four. It's like everybody on Ohio State is those guys. I, I just think, I don't know, I, I feel like I say this about James Franklin in, in a lot of different settings or a lot of different um, contexts, but he's just too analytical. He's too self-aware. He, like, I think Jim Harbaugh is just like, like, all right, things aren't working for Ohio State. We're gonna we're gonna bear down even more and do what what we're what we've been doing even harder. Whereas James Franklin, I think, is such. Look, if he's if 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 he's not if it's not clicking, and he's and he he stalls climbing this Ohio State mountain. He's gonna figure out like a different way to do it. I just think he's gonna be too um, he, uh, analytical. Too. I mean, he's, he's gonna figure it out, and and um, and so I I just think that Penn State is is on a more a more confident in their climb right now. I will also say that speaking of Franklin and his ability to change or his willingness to be, you know, change things when he needs to, this is with no inside info, but I, I just feel like when his OC left for the old dominion job, he wasn't really begging him to stay. <laughs> well, he was, I mean, he had, he had a lot of history with Ricky Ronnie. And so I think he was, and so I think that there was, uh, I think he, and, and Ricky Ronnie is a great recruiter as well. And, but I, but I don't disagree that like there, there's pr- it's probably not all bad to get sort of some uh, fresh some new eyes. blood in there. Yeah, yeah. How popular would a live stream video that only focused on Nick Saban during football games? No cutting to the field, no breakaway segments, just unfiltered video and audio of Nick Saban. I'm not an Alabama fan, quite the opposite, but cannot get enough of his sideline personality. W D E Frank. War damn eagle, Frank. He's not an Alabama fan, but he sure loves watching Nick get mad on the <laughs> sideline for some reason. <laughs> I mean, there I just, is the mega cast where you can watch. If, yeah. if 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 Alabama had been in the semifinal, uh, you could have watched a mega cast that had live video, live sky cam, and nonstop of both head coaches. I just don't think you're going to get the audio. The audio yeah, would be the see, best. That's the thing. I would need the audio for it to be worth anything. If I'm just getting the video, I, I don't care. I'd rather watch the football game. Or give me the audio in the uh, in the coach's box. Um, you know, like when Rich Rod is throwing a, a hissy fit. <laughs> you know, I want some of that stuff. Would you? So, would you rather have the like? Would you rather listen in on the actual headset line, or would you rather just listen to any of the conversation within the coach's box? I, I mean, I, you, well, you hear it all if you're on the headset line. At least you yeah. hear it all from from one side of the ball. The head coach can usually flip from to both. But the the like, I, I would want to hear it just because I think sometimes <clears throat> I'll just like when I was my my what would have been my senior year. I played a fifth year. What would have been my senior year? I, I tore my ACL in the spring, so I sat out that year. But I was sort of a I don't know. Like I, I sat in the box, the coach's box with a headset and I charted plays and I sort of helped the coaches at the defensive staff up there. And I heard, I could hear the, the, the headset. And I just got to say, 
like this, I mean, uh, granted, like this was Ivy League football. And, and so maybe there's maybe like there's a much higher brand of coaching going on somewhere. But it was very uninspiring, like some of the conversations that were ha- being had on the headset in terms of like the decisions on on calls, especially when I heard some of the offensive ones and like what they were deciding between when they were making those decisions. Like it, it doesn't always come across as like, super highbrow stuff (laughs) (laughs) like there's a lot of indecision in the decision i I just remember like so we like for example we we were in we ran um like this our offense we had a lot of cities and states as as our offensive plays and so like like topeka kansas was a smash route and uh, bangor maine was a was a option route in the middle And, and we like were running like three plays all game it felt like and we get down to like the four yard line against the team and it's, and it's fourth down and they, and we decide to go for it and they, what's the play? What's the play? Give me a play. And they call a timeout, take a timeout, take a timeout. And then they, you know, they, they deliberate and they go, all right, go, go, uh, Bangor, Maine. And it's like, you can be calling that play all game long. Like, why did you need a timeout to call the same play? This like simple smash route or option route that you can call it all game long. It was just the whole, this, <laughs> This is like 15-year-old uh, uh, pent-up frustration. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's just fun. Like I just I, I look. I mean, some coaches I think would be fascinating to hear, and others would be sort of really insightful in the other kind of way in terms of like how 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 bad it might be. Wait, I, I want to hear more about your year on the headset. Is that is that going to turn into a, a podcast mini series at the Cover Three for the off season? No, I, you, I think you run, you run out of material real quick because because they keep calling the same three plays. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're, yeah. Well, anyways, I, 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 I'm not going to go on a tangent. There's, there's today on Barton in the booth. One time a coach said something funny. Right. Right. How many cans can one co- can one staff dip if, if one staff could dip cans? <laughs> we could go through hey those i those those new england coaches could go through some dip i'll tell you that <laughs> oh man good stuff all right you can see barton he'll be uh coming up this weekend at the uh the all-american bowl in san antonio watch it on nbc on saturday you can follow him on twitter at barton simmons I'm sure we get a lot of content from the site and the event leading up to it. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Uh, if you want to submit a question for a future mailbag, you do so by going to leave a five-star review. Uh, you can say some nice things. You could not, but leave a five-star review and then uh, include your question. We'll add it to a future mailbag. As you can tell from this episode, pretty much anything is fair game. We'll uh, we'll pick and choose as the conversation goes, and we will at some point in 2020 get to all of these um, either one way or the other. We might be a little dismissive, like uh, when somebody was making a case for Penn State in the playoff. So, sorry. We didn't answer that. That got answered on the field. They didn't make it. Uh, gentlemen, let's do it again later this week. Thank you very much. Thank you. Later. There's nothing. 
on Earth. Quite like this. Oh, what a goal! The UEFA Champions League is back at its new home on CBS All Access. Sensational! Stream every match of the world's most prestigious tournament live. That's incredible! The UEFA Champions League group stage kicks off Tuesday on CBS All Access. There's nothing like it.